let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass, and we are ready to go. What is it that we have got in the glass to start us off this week, Martin? Well, I'm pretty stoked to try this one, Steve. Oh, 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 what? I can't believe you just did that. So, Hen House Brewing Company, American Pale Ale, 5.4%, stoked, their single hop series. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, I actually. am. It smells really nice, actually. It, it, so. it does, yeah. Let's, um, let's procrastinate no more and dive in. Cheers. Cheers. Well, I'm going to go orangey. It's very orangey, <laughs> isn't it? It's um, That's my starting point. All the pithy, bitter bits of an orange. It's funny you should say that, because that pithiness and that bitterness of the basically the skin really comes through halfway through and yeah. just stays. Because it's got a bit of a haze to it, but it doesn't look... It doesn't have that hazy mouthfeel or anything. Loads of that fruit, bitterness. I, yeah, first, first impressions are it's a... It's pretty good. I'm never too sure what to get with Simcoe as a single hop. I have to admit. No, me me either. Um... I have to admit, I'm, like I said, my first impressions are it's quite nice. I mean, you know, it's an American can and it's an American pint can, I think. So it's a 473 millilitres. Um, but it's quite light in its body as well. It is. And I've got to say, I was surprised at how it's looking. Um, because it is it is very hazy, um, and I was expecting from the, the the description of it on Untapped, I think it just says it's an American IPA, so I was expecting more of the golden clear American IPA. Oh, okay, yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely a more of a, if it's a hazy version of an, an APA, really. Is yeah, how I would present it mm-hmm. if I was saying it. I did have a quick look at Untapped myself as well and didn't notice that beer, but it doesn't say much about the beer apart from. Rotating single hop series with Simcoe. Call that bitterness. It just it, it keeps going, doesn't it? For a pale ale, it's probably one of the more bitter pale ales. Yeah, what's, what's the ABV on it? Have we mentioned that? 5.4. Okay, so it's, it's, it's quite big on... Yeah, although on our tap it says 35 IBUs. So maybe I'm also getting the piffy dryness rather than just the piffy bitterness. Because 35 mm. doesn't feel very high. No, it doesn't. But then Sierra Nevada's in the 30, 40 range. No, that's true. It isn't. It isn't that high. No. So maybe it's just how it how it presents itself sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a good start. I'm glad it's not as thick as it looks. Yeah, I am because that would be a, a, a struggle to start the show. Yes, <laughs> because there are another three to go. That they are, and we should probably say up front that these beers were sent to us by uh, a listener who lives out in San Francisco. So many thanks to, to Graham for sending these over to us. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on as, as we go through the, the other beers he sent to us as well. I mean, we'll say in, in those care packages did also include bottles of Pliny the Elder, didn't they? Yeah, which didn't make it to the show. <laughs> no, no they, they, they were never destined to, to, to appear on the show, were, were they? We uh, very much enjoyed those as fresh as we could. Yes, and, and the, I, I couldn't have it just sitting in a fridge, waiting. No. You know, Graham's had to send, did actually send Pliny twice to us. Yes, Because yeah. of a, a mix-up at, um, well, I presume at Stansted at our end rather than his end. And his second box arrived before the first box. 
Yes. In fact, I was quite surprised when the second box arrived because we'd written it off. Yes. That, that some some someone at Stansted had got themselves a very nice weekend on a, <laughs> on, on, on a box of beers from the States. <laughs> yes, um, which annoyed us, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. But no, um, thanks thanks again to Graham for sending them over, and I'm looking forward to trying the other the other beers he sent us to try. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I'll echo that. Thank you very much, Graham, for not only sending it once, but sending it through twice. Yes, we're, we're very, very grateful for that. Um, well, while we're enjoying this, uh, and before we get into this week's Beery Adventures, because I know that you're probably just chomping at the bit to tell me all about how wonderful that cast Jaipur was, <laughs> um, let's have a little look back at another surprise show that we dropped. The Lager Special. Yes. Um, um, that was really good fun. Now, for anyone, spoiler for anyone who's listened to it, who hasn't listened to it, the genesis of this sort of came up in uh, Czechia when we were there to do the stuff with Budvar and we started talking about it and you know that was the genesis of the idea everything went a bit tits up and we thought it just kept on coming back as a conversation piece kept on coming back as a conversation piece and eventually because we have got Zoom we decided let's go for it let's let's approach these four breweries who are so well known and let's be honest they're not the only ones producing great lagers in, in the UK now but they're probably the, the in that top echelon the Premier League for doing it and that was such a great chat I mean all we really did Steve was sort of facilitate four people who hadn't all met each other before mm. talk about a passion of theirs which was producing great tasting lager I really enjoyed it it was really nice really fun recording yeah, I, I I think I'll probably say that um, you, you obviously said that there's that there are other breweries pr- producing great lagers in the UK, and yes, there are. But I, th- I think the reason we chose the four that we chose is because that's what they've all chosen to specialise in is is producing lager, um, and they are known for their lagers in in the UK. I mean, out out of the four that we featured, probably more so Utopian, who only produce lager where the the other three do produce other styles of beer yeah as as well to complement their lager um but yeah it was um it was a lot of fun to to, to chat with the with, with the folks on 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 that show and I, I think we certainly as as we always tend to do we learn a thing or two yeah dur- during the, well, the evening come as well. on. biggest revelation the fact that CERN Speciality is 100 <laughs> percent hopped with fuggles yes that fuggled me, I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's, that's two tonight. Come on, mate, you're on form here. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was blown away by that. I, re- I really was, because that is, a, that is a cracking beer. Yeah, but it sort of backed up what Rich was sort of, the point he was getting across is, it is how you make it, how, how you develop it, what the quantities that you use. And like I said, yeah, I was completely blown away by that, and I would never have been able to put those two things together wouldn't matter I don't think it matter how much of an expert I was I don't think I would ever have picked out Fuggles as being no essentially single hopped black lager yeah no not going to happen I ain't picking that one out yeah no you're, you're not you're, you're never going to choose Fuggles for that are you no so but, I mean that wasn't the only you know we just the, the, what, the way they were talking about it they, and they all have slightly different approaches as well um and you know the presentation so you know we had the the cans from like uh utopian and lng braybrook 
with those really nice little cute mm-hmm. looking bottles. Um, you know, and probably going back to Utopian, when we first started talking about doing a lager special, Utopian weren't on my radar. No, they, they weren't on mine either. I think the first time we came across them was when we got back from Czechia and we went to Brew London. Yeah. Um, which At the end of the, the, the last time that us and probably many others went, went to any sort of beer festival. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were drawn to them um, because Ruth uh, at Beer Ferry told us we had to go and drink them. Yeah, she did. Yeah, it wasn't a choice matter. <laughs> yeah, it was come, come here and drink this yeah. delicious lager that yeah. I'm peddling. And they were all delicious, all the ones we tried on that day. And we've, had a, we've sort of kept a bit of an eye on them ever since because yeah. it's quite nice to go in early on the journey as well. And yeah, I, 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 thought, I found it fascinating that, like I said, they hadn't really met most of them don't seem to have met each other. Um, they seem to enjoy chatting about it. And, you know, Rich afterwards actually said to us, he said, that was really good. Convinced me that I'm definitely on the right track here. I loved it. I loved, I loved it. And I hope, I hope listeners have as well. Um, it was fun to sit there and essentially, and we are ever so grateful again, that, you know, they sent us the beers through um, to literally sit there, listening to them, talk about their beers while we sat there drinking it. Yeah. Quite, quite a privileged <laughs> position to, was, to, to, to it, be in. It that. was a very privileged position, and that all comes down to the the plus of the transition to Zoom and making, as we said before, making the world a little bit smaller. Now, that would have been. I can't imagine how we would have got them all into one place, apart from choosing one of those iconic festivals, which they're all going to attend, and then trying to find a moment when they're all free. Mm. Yeah. The, certainly the, the, the use of Zoom for, for us has made all, all of these specials that we've done so far this year, um, made them happen really, because, you know, like we said before, it has made the world a smaller place. You, you, you know, we would never have been able to have spoken to Ken and Jamil in, in, in person. And the, the, the thought of bringing together four brewers to do a roundtable discussion about lager could only really be done through Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, just um, and probably just to, to, to reiterate to the listeners uh, uh, again with the specials is that um, even we don't know when to expect them. So so don't expect them to be any sort of regular pattern that, that we choose to drop them in. It's, it's literally as and when either an idea or an opportunity presents itself to us that we'll we'll run with it and and then we'll just drop a special between our our normally scheduled releases yeah and it doesn't necessarily fit the mo of the show so i personally wouldn't have wanted to do that four-way chat with them and try to shoehorn in the usual show oh it wouldn't have worked and it would have been a waste of their their time and their knowledge and their expertise yeah so that's also the other thing with the specials is it doesn't really fit in to the usual MO, so it'll be done at another time and then we'll try to release it. Probably the only guarantee we'll give is that it will probably still be a Thursday drop. Yeah, and they're called specials for a reason. Yeah, and they're surprises. Yeah. So, for those of you who are now commuting a bit more again, just make sure you've got the earphones packed just in case. Yeah, because you never know when a uh, surprise show is going to arrive exactly. on a Thursday morning. Um, well, enough about that surprise uh, lager special that, that, that we dropped. And uh, I'm going to probably lose myself in this beer while you regale me of stories of Cast Jaipur and just how wonderful Leeds was when you visited it recently. No, nah, Leeds was shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave the Cast Jaipur to the end for the... So I'm going to just basically share four places and some general feeling. Um, 
the Friday, five of us meet up in Leeds and it's the first time for a while that the five of us have been together for, for one or two of us. We haven't seen each other for two and a half, three years. Um, and a must visit for, well, certainly for me and my friends are happy for me to do the leg work and organise a few things, was a visit to go and see Russ at Amity. I mean, having met him last year on the show, seeing what he's like on Twitter and especially had some of the beers and the way he described the place, I thought, and where we managed to book uh, in Leeds, about 10 minutes outside the city centre, but a nice walk, it was in the direction of where you need to go to, mm. to get to where Amity Brew is. And five of us in a taxi, 20 quid, fine. Just had to find the one person who had cash. <laughs> uh, What's that? Yeah, well, exactly. So we got there about 15, we, we'd booked a table and I'd, Russ had kindly let me extend the booking. So it was effectively like two bookings. Um, and again, a number of the places I did have to book in advance, um, but well worth it because it was an, it, I got lucky with the weather. So it was the weekend, last weekend, as of now recording, summer seems to have gone for a little bit of a hibernation <laughs> over the last few days. And it, you know, uh, Russ joined us for the whole evening. Um, basically he put himself through sitting with me and my mates for the best part of three hours and actually that it seemed to pique the interest of my friends as well because they started asking some some really good questions actually. So they must have been picking up a few bits over the years from <laughs> me boring them to tears. Um, we tried a range of the beers. The IPA version two that they brought out, amazing, really good. Looks very similar in the glass. In fact, it's probably it is the same ABV as the one we're now drinking, Steve. It looks very similar in the glass, but again, has a similar profile, but it's not as thick as it looks. Dangerously easy to drink. Um, then we did um, we did we did free ta free tasters. Um, obviously tried the Sunny Bank. We're there. We had to try the Festoon as well. Um, he gave us a little tour at the back where the brewery is. Really small operation, and I know that for the for the canning they're doing, which is with uh, is it Honest Brew or Beer Fifty Two. They've they've outsourced some of that to vocation, haven't they? Um, but yeah, it was a lovely evening and he recommended somewhere to go for pizza afterwards as well. But that space, I did post some pictures of what they've done with the old um, warehouses, mills, whatever they were. Looks really good. And apparently the family who owns the whole estate, for want of a better phrase, have been really good at the support for the businesses that are there. Um, so if you start getting a few businesses moving in and maybe one or two other consumables because you've got a pizza place you've got them they've got a food truck outside as well with some posh meat and chips while we were drinking as well i think that people would start to go out there as well as people from a bit closer going there well worth it so when you do next get the chance to go to Leeds, steve amity i knew i know it will be anyway but i can only reinforce whatever you might have thought it is um saturday my my my, my tip for saturday and this is because we went there three times as well over the course of the Saturday, Sunday, then myself on the Monday. It's a new North Brewing, the City Tap, which you may again have seen pictures of. A very big outdoor space, table seat. Most of the tables comfortably seat six people. Um, this one is a no booking. So if you are going and it's the weekend and it's nice weather, you are in danger of not getting a spot outside from about three o'clock onwards roughly which is why 
I had factored in as the first visit before we went anywhere else. So again, they've got the full North Brewing City Tap, North Brewing range. They've got some good guest sales. Then they've got obviously some like, um, they've got a few zero percents, some, you know, craft sodas for want of a better word. And also, much to my surprise and delight, um, Shufferhofer on draft. Saturday lunchtime, 12 o'clock after you've been out on a Friday, a bit of breakfast juice, excellent. My mates were going, what are you drinking? And I'm going, <laughs> essentially, it's pink grapefruit wheat breakfast juice, and it's only 2.5%. It's almost a perfect start, isn't oh, it? Oh, it was especially so, after a session the night yeah, before. It was so good. It was so. I've never, I've never actually experienced it on tap before. And I'm not saying it's a, a world-beating beer versus the version in can or bottle, but it was nice just to have a pint of it. And I did follow that with a second pint. It was a nice, gentle start into the into the Saturday wander around. Sunday, Brew York. So obviously they've opened their new place, uh, which only opened um, I think at the. May 17th restrictions being lifted because it is all indoors again it is booking um, Lee put me in touch with the, the bar manager and very kindly let me extend the booking because my mate Neil stayed on the Sunday as well and he had a couple of friends in Leeds who joined us and then I was also lucky enough to catch up with James at Garen Barron and also pick up with um, Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds as well during the day lovely to see them after so long as well um, had some fantastic beers and Big Eagle on tap three times it's all you want isn't it yeah yeah. <laughs> I went sensible first of all went, I'll have two thirds <laughs> boys I'm ordering four pints of Big Eagle <laughs> because they did have a, and again what I'm going to shout out for them is they had a really wonderful booking system with the app um, so even though it's not a massive place everything's booked per table attached to your email address so you get a receipt through straight away telling you what the beers are. So if you are a bit of a ticker, you actually do have a record of all your beers that you've ordered over the course of any length of time you've spent in there. Um, staff were great. And we were, while we were in there on the Sunday afternoon for a bit, it was while the football was on, so it was a bit quieter. But then as the football finished, the England match, people did drift out and come in. But again, had a lovely vibe to it. They did tease James and myself by pulling through on the cask but then put anything on. <laughs> I think they were just cleaning it. And yeah. they obviously, we obviously looked like we were car strings, so they thought they would just tease us. Uh, but it was, a, it was a lovely experience, and, and a bit like North Brewing City Tap, they do a bit of a, an Asian fusion food offering. So the stuff I saw at North Brewing on the Saturday and the stuff I saw at Brew York on the Sunday did look really nice. It just didn't fit in with our timing on, that partic- on those particular days. And finally, the Cast Jaipur. Banker's Cat. Wonderful place, isn't it? Such an amazing building, both yeah. upstairs and downstairs. I was going to say, did you go downstairs and have yeah. a look at the vault? Yeah. Um, so that's where we started on the Friday because I said, look, it's near the station. Um, everyone can find it nice and easy. I give them lots of reasons why I was going to be in there drinking Fortinbridge <laughs> cars by Paul. And then I thought on the Monday, I had a bit of time before the alleged one fifteen train. And they thought, I'll oh, bookend my weekend. Nice bit of symmetry. First pint Jaipur, last pint Jaipur. Um, as it turned out, my my superpower of cancelling trains and affecting transport in many ways worked really well. And I ended up on the 5.15 train. So basically spent an extra four hours in the banker's cat 
Um, so there's worse places to be stuck, mate. There is worse places <laughs> to be stuck. And, uh, you know, I did... <laughs> I was chatting to the, guy, the guys who were there because it's a Monday afternoon, so it went packed. Uh, there's also... There was someone in there, Six Towns Mart, who is in the Stoke area, but loves coming into, like, the, that bit of Yorkshire. And he was in there, recognised me from Twitter and some of the check-ins. So I was chatting to him before he then went to the Stady Bridge Buffet and actually bumped into Mark Johnson there as well because then Mark messaged me to say, how was my journey? <laughs> <laughs> so no, that was really, it was really nice. But what I will finish off by saying is everyone was so friendly. Leeds is a friendly city mm. in my experience. And that's all I could ever vouch for. And the people serving us in all of the venues were all really helpful, very friendly, Yes, I did choose places which I think people are going to be fairly knowledgeable. And again, so I can only judge on where I went. And I did go to more places than I've, I've noted. And people will be able to guess if they haven't already seen. There are some obvious suspects where else I went to as well in these. But all of them were really good. The bookings all worked out fine. Fantastic time. And I think you've said it before, Steve, about it having a, a very, very strong case for being the number one beery destination in the UK. And I would find it hard to argue against that. I think. I think for me, it's it's the closeness of everything as well in in, in the city centre that that you can pretty much do all of the, the the big hitters in terms of the bars and some of the pubs and brewery taps and it's it's got something for everyone. And but it's all in a very very compact space. Compact's the word I used when I was with my mates, and we we, we excluded places. But I would love if I hadn't had to book places for blocks. There's probably a few places which would have been a one beer stop, just to again show another place, show another type of place, show another type of bar. But yes, it is compact. You could choose to get a taxi maybe from one end back to the hotel, but you don't have to. And yet, yeah. you once you're out, the destinations are even if you're going out to Northern Monk or up to Brew York, you could easily still do both of those on the same day mm-hmm. without it being too much of a problem. Really good. Can't wait to get back up to Yorkshire again later this year. Yeah, um, I can't wait to get back to, to, to Leeds because even in, in that short time since, since I went in September, a lot's changed again. You, you know, like you say, the, the addition of the, the, the Brew York bar now. North Brewing Tap was the North Brewing City Tap. That that, I don't think that was open when, when I was up there. So that's, so. that's two already. And yeah. those two would be on your, on your oh, list. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. it's an ever-evolving, but yeah, well worth it. Two hours 15 on the train. Um, sometimes two hours fifteen coming back as well. Yeah. Well, if if you also look at the just the amount of breweries from outside of Leeds that have actually invested in bars in Leeds, so yeah. you've got Thornbridge, you've got Brew York, uh, obviously North Bar already there, but you've got Vocation, have got a tap room in, yeah. in in Leeds as well. You, you know, it's obviously it's obviously seen by breweries as being a beer destination. In, in the UK for them to be investing their time and money in, in opening bars in, in, in a city centre which isn't where their brewery is based no no, no no I mean that's a very good point actually yes you could do Leeds own if you just wanted to and still have a fantastic time but the addition of some other people rocking up as well is nothing you know you can't really argue against it too much because yeah. they are producing some fantastic beers and produ- and all producing different venues to go and visit as well that's enough about Leeds. Uh, I need to have some more of this beer, to be fair. Steve, what have you been up to recently? 
Well, I managed to make it as far as Colchester again um, on a Saturday afternoon with, with them. We just headed back into town once again for uh, some beers, mainly because uh, the Three Wise Monkeys, um, I think I mentioned this on the previous show, in, in, in the space next to where the bar is, they've opened up a brewery tap now for their other monkey brewing um, company that, that basically... It's been around since 2016, apparently, Other Monkey has, but they've only ever really made beers for the two Three Wise Monkey venues, the one in Colchester and the one in Ipswich, and the odd pub here and there. But they've actually opened a brewery tap in the, in the space next to Three Wise Monkeys, and we were chatting to basically the guy that, that brews all the beer was serving the beers on, on the Saturday we were in there as well. And they're going down the route of um, Howling Hops. So they've got tanks behind the bar. They're not operational yet because the place isn't fully completed yet. But they're going to be serving their beers direct from the tanks behind the bar. So... Obviously, the tanks aren't as big as what are in Howling Hops. They're, no, they're a slightly scaled-down version. You need the height for those ones as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they, they're basically going to be brewing and serving their own beer on site. So most of the brewing is taking place sort of downstairs in, in, in the underground space that they've got. But we, we booked a table in there for uh, a couple of hours, and i decided to start with um a beer called great journey begins with 4.5 percent parallel I, I thought you know it's a it's a warm saturday afternoon that that's that'll be perfect we'd, we'd walked into town so worked up a nice thirst was ready for a parallel um it went in about four gulps not necessarily because i was hot but because it tasted amazing i had to have another two pints of it just to check just how good it was but i ended up checking it in on the day and, and saying that actually I thought it was Sierra Nevada levels of Palau good. Cool, that's a shout. <laughs> I, I know, and I would, I surprised myself with, with that comment, but I looked back at it and I was like, I've just sunk three pints of that without even really thinking about it. And it was really tasty and I wanted to go back to it again. And to, to think that there's this... I call them, uh, they're a little bit bigger than a nanobrewery. So they're a microbrewery, basically brewing beers in the, the basement of, of a bar. And they're now going to be serving these beers like brewery fresh as, as well. Yes, Colchester isn't the top of many people's lists for a beery destination, but it is certainly growing in, in terms of what's now available in the town. Yeah, I'm good so, beer. so fucking happy about that. <laughs> Tank fresh brewery beer since I've left. That, that, <laughs> that tastes like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I mean, I, I have to admit, I mean, Three Wise Monkeys was, a, was up and running before I left Colchester and it was a welcome addition to the scene. Um, partly because I think you said it before, Colonel often appears. Yes, yeah. So that already gets a big tick in our respective boxes. And it was a, it was a different venue to what we had in Colchester as well, very different. Um, the fact that, like you say now, they've ordered they've now got, I think it used to be an old one of these old fashioned hardware stores, bit of a full candles kind of place where you can find everything mm -hmm. in there, and they've taken it over to become part of to have their actual brewery there. It may not be a destination place for people coming for miles, but in that bit, Ipswich, Chelmsford, 
those kind of places may well start to think, oh, get the train into there, have a little look around, something different. So it sounds really good, but I hadn't realised you'd sunk three, three pints in the, the short space of time. Yeah, I mean, our booking was for an hour and a half. Um, so I had three pints of that, and then I had a, I had a, I think it was a vanilla milk stout on as, as well. And the, the only grumble I had about that was that it was far too cold. And, and even though I, I, I did the uh, shrewd move of ordering that with my last pint of pale ale to try and give it time to warm up, it just it just didn't warm up enough. Okay, so... They weren't really getting a lot of the flavours. They perhaps need to alter their chilling to the beer they're serving. Yeah, but it's, it's quite strange because I've, I've obviously seen other monkey beers on in Three Wise Monkeys in the past, and for whatever reason, I've never been drawn to, to, to order one. But then, literally, I mean... I go to their brewery, Taproom, which is right next door. And although you could order from the main menu of Three Wise Monkeys as well while you were in there, so you had all the choice and selection there, Em and I had specifically gone to try out new beers from other, other monkeys. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad we did because, like I say, you know, three pints of the, the, the Palau would suggest it's a, it's a fairly decent beer. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they might be able to do if they go down the route of trying to produce a, a classic American IPA. Because I think that they had two IPAs on. Uh, one of them was a double IPA, and I saw um, somebody else order a pour of it, and it looked thick and gloopy, and I was like, that's not for me. And the IPA that they did have on was a pineapple IPA, and I was like, well, damn, that's not for me either. Um, so if they do go down that route of doing a classic American IPA, I reckon... That they would now the style. Well, maybe they'll do a torpedo clone for you. Oh, that'd be marvellous. As Steve does three pints of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then crawls home. Rolls down um, the hill. And, and then, then as is tradition after that, we uh, obviously ended up in the Vic, um, drinking Colonel in the garden, in, in, in the sun. <laughs> um, actually, I think there were two Colonel lines on, on, on this particular occasion. There's the, the now regular uh, sort of light kernel line which is generally rich seems to be rotating between parallels and ipas on on that line but he also had a line on of the i think it was london export stout and oh really yeah so i was like be rude not to really wouldn't it, would it? be very rude <laughs> not to um so, so yeah had 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 one nose and you know it's just uh I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna bang on about how great the vic is people know you, you know both of our opinions yeah. on, on 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 that place what i will say though is in this last week or so they've just added a range of bottled belgian beers to to their beer selection oh, i saw that on facebook actually as, as well which is um i'm gonna say it's quite a welcome addition to, to what they're offering actually well, it, it's very different and from your personal point of view you know that m loves a bit of belgian yes yeah, absolutely yeah um and really, there is really only one other place in Colchester that offers a Belgian selection. And that, in normal times, can get quite busy, that bar yeah. on Queen Street. Queen, it's Queen Street Brewhouse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so having it at one end of town versus the other, I don't really think it impacts on one or the other. Nice little addition. Some, I saw they had some nice ones on there. Um, but yeah, again, it goes to show that rich must, rich, they must have a bit of a feel that people do you want to try them? Yeah. There's enough of a build-up of trust of what they get in that people are willing to go for it. Because don't forget, they've always got like the, what, eight, 10, maybe 12 ciders on the other side of the mm -hmm. bar when you first come in, the, the ciders in the boxes. 
They've got a good range of gins now. They've had the craft beer fridge for a while. They've got their regular cast beers and there's one or two there that are basically house cast beers. They've got It's a really good mix. It is, and, and I think it's, uh, like you say, it's, it's, it's a welcome addition to their fridge selection because I think what, what Rich does very well is, is that he knows what his customers want. So normally their, their, their fridge selection, the craft beers in their, their, their fridge are the latest releases and, and they do very well at, at keeping up with those. Yeah. But sometimes you do just want something that's a little bit different. and Maybe a bit classic. Yeah, and, and the fact that you, you, you now got, I think, I think they've got 10 different bottles initially that they're trying in there. So you've got 10 different classic Belgian beers now on the, the shelf. I mean, to name but two, you've got Orval and you've got Taras Bulba. And I, I, I said to Rich, I was like, you've got Taras Bulba in bottles. That must mean you can get your hands on the keg of it. And he was like, we're thinking about it. We obviously need to see how the bottles, how the bottles sell. But could you imagine getting keg Taras Bulba in Colchester? No. <laughs> no, no, literally I can't. Because even with what... Queen Street Brewhouse are doing their, they do have a few on tap, but they tend to stick, they, I can't imagine they'd have the Terrace Bulba, but if you've got access to it and you start seeing those bottles flying out, or at least at a good good click, then I I mean, Terrace Bulba on tap, in Colchester, in the Vic, with the other selection of it, I mean, you, the two hour booking ain't enough. It's not, no. Because if you say, I'm gonna have a cup of cask, but then I need to have the Colonel, and I need to have the Terrace Ball Bar. <laughs> need. need. Need to make time for that. I like the way I've said need and not want every stage of that conversation there. That two hours ain't enough without you really having to push yourself. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's me going back to my, this is a five-point session <laughs> statement, is, isn't it? Um, but again, though, on, on that, the, the Vic aren't limiting to just two hours on, on, on their bookings. When, when, when you book, you can basically book for as long as you want. Oh, right, okay. In in there, so... Oh, yeah, of course, because the time we were in there, I, I just left it because I had to get trains back, didn't I? Yeah. So, which I think is great because, you you know, you can you, you can book yourself a, a period of time. You can work out in advance what you're going to have in that time and work out whether you're going to manage it or not. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it sounds good. So, well done. I mean, I mean, all right, I went to Leeds, but it doesn't sound your beery adventure in Colchester was a, a rubbish day. No, it's, it's, it's not, and we're, we're certainly beginning to um, explore uh, a bit more of what Colchester's got to offer in, in, in terms of its, its drink offering. I mean, tradition will dictate that we either start or finish at the Vic, or, or we go through the Vic on the way to somewhere else, because that's what you do. But yeah, there's, there's certainly plenty of places now that are serving some really good craft beers but equally there are a lot of places that are doing some really really good locally brewed cask beers as well so um, yeah, it's, I mean it's good I mean that means Colchester is rising we know that Chelmsford is a good place a little bit of work being done here in Essex at last thing yeah if, it's kind of that thing isn't it it's all getting a bit of a rub off of, off of each other so every time somewhere gets somewhere new then somewhere else looks at getting somewhere new as well and yeah, I think Essex is getting there slowly. It's still slowly. Yeah. But considering where we were when we had a similar conversation a while back, it's definitely on the up. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Uh, I, fortunately, because I was able to listen to you, I've sunk the last bit. <laughs> Surprised you hadn't finished by the time I finished talking about Leeds. I was, um, 
too busy just sitting here swearing at me under your breath hating you for all the cast jai pour that you you got to drink here sparkled cast jai pour. Yeah, yeah i know i know you didn't need to, <laughs> to say that um but yeah no i was, I was just savoring it a little bit actually because that that orange pithiness does get a bit much after a while see i found it died it didn't die off i found i noticed it less as i went you obviously didn't find that then no no i've, I've, got, I've got to say I've possibly struggled through the last bit of that. Now, although I have said already that summer's had a bit of a hibernation, the room's quite warm, because we've obviously, just to keep a bit of the noise out, we've got some doors and windows shut. That did start to warm up a little bit. Yeah. Do you think that impacted it? I you? think so, yeah. Uh, because I think what, what that did was it amplified the orange notes. And the pithy dryness. Yeah. Yeah, whereas, you know, really cold when you first have that first sip of it yes it's like wow well there's a mouth like an explosion of flavors in your mouth there that the finish is really dry and bitter but that becomes i don't think cloying's the word it, it just maybe becomes a little bit too dry as, as you go through it yeah i can see what you're saying like i said i i seem to have found quite a nice little equilibrium with it and wasn't nothing was really striking me it was a very nice beer um Really nice to try a beer from a brewery that I've literally never heard of before. Yeah. To be honest. So, you know, Hen House Brewing Company, Stoked, Single Hot Pale Ale, Simcoe, 5.4%. Not a bad starter. No, and I believe that's part of a series that they do that showcases different hops. Yeah, and I I did actually really enjoy that. I know what you're saying, and I think that it's also, it is a big can. They are big cans. I mean, I'm, we talked I'm about the 440s before. This is with another bit on top. Yeah, yeah. And let's, I mean, let's be honest, we've probably got used to drinking these big cans on our own for, for, for the shows. No, that's true. We could have shared these. We could have. <laughs> we could have, but why would we want to do that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the new normal, it's isn't it? It's the new normal, exactly. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to beer number two. This is, again, uh, a beer that Graham sent over to us. This is from Humble Sea. And this is Socks and Sandals, which is a foggy India parallel, 6.6%, um, featuring Citra, Centennial, Simcoe and Chinook. Some classics in there. I mean, that's a combination, isn't it? Yeah. Now, this one comes in at 6.6% and is 64 IBU, apparently. Oh, okay. So, now that's interesting because, obviously, they've used the word foggy yep. India parallel, but maybe not so much... New as New England, it's definitely not described as New England anywhere that I've seen. And in the glass, it doesn't look dissimilar to the first one. No, it doesn't, does it? So, yeah, cheers, cheers. Now, obviously, we know what we've got one of the you know, Citra, we know very well. We've just had Simcoe that does feel fruity and juicy, not thick. No, it's really soft, isn't it? Yeah. Like vel almost velvety soft. But I'm, I'm finding it hard to equate the 64 IBUs compared to the last beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how it's almost double the, the amount of IBUs. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that there's people more technical than us that listen who will be able to explain it to us how a beer which seemingly only had half the amount of IBUs perhaps felt bitter, more bitter, but or had greater bitterness. But... That's actually quite a light beer, actually, compared, given they said the word foggy. Yeah. This actually almost feels like, and I think we've used it before, a bit like the diluted orange squash or something. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do look at it in the glass, it's it's more than foggy. It is a it's it's not murky, but it's a deep haze. Yeah. Very easy to drink at six point six percent. I almost feel like to start off with, it's not cold enough. Yeah. I'd like it to be a bit colder and that little bit sharper, and then it warms up a little bit. And yeah. we've, we've both had it in the fridge. I mean, you, before I picked them up from you, you had these in the fridge as soon as you got hold of them. Yeah, as soon as, as, soon as they arrived from Graham, they've, they've been kept cold. Yeah, and I've done the same. And I, to me, this, uh, although it's another big can, I'm not sure how long it's going to last. No, we should, uh, we should probably crack on with this week's news. First up is uh, the Brewdog news, and that's the only way of putting it, um, is the Brewdog news. Uh, and we, we have to cover this because we, in the past, have been quite happy to stick the boot in when they've been idiots about things. Uh, but equally, we've, we've praised them when they've, they've done something good in, in the past. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, we did that recently with their, their eco about being neutral, you know, so carbon neutral. So this, I mean, this has to be. There's not enough people who can effectively call this out. No, no. Um, so, so yeah, we we have to mention this. So as as these things do, I think it was the night after we probably recorded the last show. Um, uh, an open letter appeared on social media from uh, an account called Punks with Purpose, which is essentially a, a coming together of ex Brewdog employees. And, and this open letter made a, a number of very damning accusations about working practices at, at Brewdog, and that's across the board from their head office uh, to their brewery to the bars and the outlets that they own. And, and these accusations and the letter was signed by uh, what seems to be an ever-growing number of ex-employees. Well, for, as for, for at the 11th of June, we have a whole list of names. I'm afraid I can't count them all, but there's a lot of people who have been willing to put their names on there. Plus 106 anonymous former staff and 36 current staff. And that was as at the 11th of June. Now, that number built quite quickly, quite considerably from when they first did it. And even then, it felt like there was a lot of names the first yeah, the first time around with that open letter. Now, I personally haven't seen that kind of very direct open letter to a business. Let's forget about a mini brewery to a business. And it was damning. It was very damning. Now, I've never heard these, uh, regardless of what I might think of the people at the top, from the outside looking in. I actually don't know that many people on the in. But the more you read it, and the things that are being said, and I think it was actually very well written as well. I think it was well constructed. It felt like someone took a bit of time, didn't just throw all the vitriol at it. And it's not good. It's not good. And, you know, people more eloquent than you and I Hard to believe there are people more eloquent than you and I, eh? Um, such as, you know, Melissa Cole and Matt Curtis have written some very, very good pieces, which we'll, you know, put links in the show notes to if you haven't already read them. And there isn't that much more I can add to what they've said. But you're an equity for punk holder, Steve, which you've referenced before. What do you want to see them do? Uh, well, I want to see them... I want to see them address the issues that have been highlighted in, in, in that letter. And, and I think that if, if you now read the 
final official BrewDog statement because there were a couple oh, of misfires that they put out before they eventually got round to putting out a statement. And that's when PR's at its worst. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think James Watt couldn't have done anything worse than going into the EFP forum and trying to make an apology within hours of that open letter dropping because completely the wrong thing for concerned he, he got he, he got to, rightly so he got torn apart for a, it, what was a half-assed apology got, at, at he, the time he got torn apart did he really think it was going to stay within the forum uh, well exactly um and so i think yes they eventually put out a, a statement the, the interesting thing for me was that obviously James Watt is very often seen as the mouthpiece of, of, of Brewdog. Yeah. But we do need to remember there is another co-founder yeah. owner in, in Martin Dickey. And as far as we know, they're, they're equal. And Martin took a much more humble approach and put, uh, there was I think there was a post on Instagram that was a very simple apology saying we've, we've, we've failed you and we should do better and we're sorry for what we've done. So, but, and, and it, but that wasn't immediate either. That was more thought through and it took some time. So obviously we've had the, the, the formal statement now from BrewDog and they are saying that they're going to address, address each of the things that have been mentioned within there. In, in terms of what I want to see, um, I mean, it came as a surprise that, you know, that this culture exists mm-hmm. with, within BrewDog. Um, they, they've just got to do better. They've, they've got to do better by the staff that work for them. They've got, yeah, they've got to do a lot better. They're no longer punk. They're no longer a small company. In what we term as the craft beer world, they've either superseded that particular phrase now or they're effectively at the top of the pile, whichever way you want to put it. They're no longer independent, truly, given that almost a quarter of the company is owned by a venture capitalist firm. Mm-hmm. And the woman who's now going to be sort of overseeing some of this change does work for the venture capitalist firm as well. And I know that that didn't land very well. No, but she, because I, I think part of the reason why that didn't land she very was well was on the board. because she's been on the board for four years. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, well, she shouldn't have allowed this to happen. No, exactly. Um, what I would say is, and I know a lot of people have, and again, I'm doing this from the outside in. I don't think James Watt and Martin Dickey should be ousted at this stage. I think they should have to work through all of these issues. They should have to now see this through. I don't think they should be able to take share options out of the country or cash them in out of the co- out of the company. They should have. To, they should be locked in and deferred until someone can make a measurement to say that actually they have improved. Mm. I think there should be some sort of cause and effect here. There should be some sort of balance and check. I don't think they should. I think they should have to work through it themselves. I think whatever courses they should be going through them first, because the culture has come from then. And that that god awful statement about it's not for everyone. Yeah, what was well, that about? I've worked in fucking banking and in the city since the nine since the eighties and nineties, and that wasn't acceptable then despite some of the films and some of the stuff that comes out sometimes. It's certainly unacceptable for a company that espouses what they say they believe in in the 2000s and the, you know and beyond. So they need to do better. Like you say, they need to change. The stuff they can do quickly, they should do quickly. 
the stuff that takes time, take the time to do it, but don't take the time not to do it. And I think that's the key. Yeah. And the other thing I do want to say is, it wasn't just about Brewdog in the last few weeks. No, but it was the it was this particular open letter that I, I, I suppose was the, the 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 final thing that made the whole thing blow. Oh, up. people know people have heard of Brewdog even if not into beer. I was getting WhatsApp messages from people saying, "Oh, you've seen this about Brewdog?" Then linking well, me well, to the BBC well, it news. It made the BBC news. It yeah. made the it made the BBC six o'clock news. It was a it was a story. On the six o'clock news on that day. Yeah. Therefore, you are no longer a small brewery. You're no, no, no you are player. in the you are in the public eye. So you point. have to look to the bigger companies that have had these policies in place. No exit interviews. I've never left a company without an exit interview taking place, because they do want to know why you're leaving. And maybe something as simple as I can get paid more elsewhere, or it may be there's a culture that you want to get away from. Either way, you have those kind of things. So. They do need to do better, and some of the other breweries and pubs and venues that have been also called out, they also need to do the same. They need to apologise, they need to take a good hard look at themselves, and they need to change. I'm not sure you can ever do much about what's happened in the past, other than maybe some recompense, but they do all need to change. These are not what people expect these kind of places, breweries and venues to do. And I don't want what we love tarnished. No, absolutely not. That's what I don't want either. Yeah. So they do need to get better and I feel better for saying it out loud now as well. Yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree with what you said. I, I think, you know, if, if, if we do just, just finish off this story by bringing it back to, 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 to Brewdog, they need to do better, like I've already said, but also maybe this is the moment that they do finally grow up and and, and, and realise that that their that their place in the industry and you know, the fact that a lot of people have and do follow in their shadow in terms of what they've done and the, the, the trail that they've led. No, exactly. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Well, moving on to something uh, a little lighter, shall we say. And this was um, a scoop that we had that we didn't actually know that we had it at the time. And, and, and this was the news that Don Zoko are moving to Edinburgh. Now, Reese dropped this during the, the Lager special. That, yeah, that we just dropped out. it. <laughs> um, nobody on that recording battered an eyelid. And, and then I think it was a couple of our listeners that picked up, hang on. Where was the announcement that that was happening? I, I love the bit that, I think it was Paul at Can I Get a P said they've moved north. And I'm thinking, oh, moved north for you. They were already in Hartlepool, so they were pretty north for me already. Yeah. But now, they have, they've basically moved in with new barns. Yeah, they've uh, they've taken out a joint lease, I think it is, on a, a warehouse space. I mean, Reese has put up quite an amusing video now um, that explains what they're doing. And we'll we'll link to that in the show notes uh, so you can have a look for that yourself. But yeah, basically they're they're, they're sharing a space with with, with new barns and it's going to allow them to bring all of their brewing and canning in-house, which they've not really been able to do in the past. Um, And it's also allowing them to increase capacity. Yeah, as, as well. Yeah, which was something he did mention that he's he's looking forward to being able to ramp up the volume. It mean it'll give them also the chance to 
do a few more of the, the specials because he did discuss a few of the different beers that he's done in the past would like to do and the seasonality as well um, so I think I think it's great and it, you know nice little addition to Edinburgh having you know New Barnes and Donzoco sort of together I mean you know presumably we all want the collaboration beer well, between Donzoco it's, Don. it's, it's got to be coming hasn't it well, you'd be daft not to wouldn't you but, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I mean it's not like you know New Barnes have been pulling up trees straight away haven't they the yeah. beers they've been so good Donzoco beers there's a lot of similarity they're very clean beers very crisp do what they say they're going to do yeah. Um, and they've got fairly simple messages as well with what they they're trying to deliver. So you know, good good luck. I mean, it was it was wonderful talking to him because I no, never I've never met him before or anything like that. And yeah, I don't even know if it was meant to be a scoop. No, I, I don't. And I've already given him uh, an idea for a beer name as 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 well, which maybe could be the clap of New Barns, uh, Northerner Hells. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just got to go with the simple things. Go with so, the simple so, things. Sometimes. Next up is the news that there is a new beer tour being launched in Leeds. Now, um, Leeds already has uh, beer tours that um, take you around more of the traditional venues in, mm-hmm. in, in the city. Um, the company that runs that are now expanding to do a Leeds craft beer tour as, as well. So, um, as, as part of the tours that will be available, They'll be launching at the start of July, um, but can be booked already through the Leeds uh, Beer Tour website. I'm not sure whether since this release came to us, whether that's been pushed back because restrictions have been pushed back. Um, best thing to do is head over to the website, have a look, see what's going on. As so we'll put a link in the show notes. And if you're in Leeds and you like this sort of organised beer experience what's not to love about this offer yeah no it's a good starting you know i think the magic are very much known for their cask offering but very modern beers turk's head obviously at the back of white locks so you do get a bit of a combo there and then you go almost pretty bang up to date with north brewing city tap yeah oh it worked really well so it's a decent little tour that yeah so you know good luck good luck to mike with that yeah yeah hope it all goes well uh, next up is the news that uh, Camera have basically stolen our idea. I know, where was the credit? Exactly. That's what um, I want to know. So the news today, that the Great British Beer Festival at your local will be taking place from the 30th of July to the 8th of August. So obviously with the position that we're still in, there's no Great British, Great British Beer Festival this year. But what Camera are doing is encouraging pubs to run local events and festivals now now that's a really good idea that's a great idea if only someone had had that say last autumn as if which yeah um i'm pretty sure this is our idea packaged in 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 a different way um but it's great to see that that, that someone's doing this idea and it's great to see this camera that's doing it as well, that they're actually doing what they should be doing and supporting pubs. Yes, yeah, so presume, at, at presume, this time. So I haven't read it, I didn't have time to read the whole article. Are the local camera committees going to try and support the pubs who may be able to put these festivals on? It looks like it. So, uh, yeah, pubs and clubs can contact their local camera branch to assist them in setting up events. Some of the events that are being suggested include um, special guest beers, mini beer festivals, arranging meet the brewers and tastings, promoting cask beer and and getting involved in brewery tours as well so it's, it's a great idea that they're, that they're doing here they are encouraging pubs and bars to submit their events now um, and it will go on to a website that they will be promoting and people can then have a look at what events are all going right on. so there'll be like a one resource 
where you yeah. can go and have a bit of a yeah. look as well. Yeah. I've, no, I, you know, joking aside from the fact that we discussed it before, it's great that camera are behind it because regardless of what some feelings about camera are, they do have a big following and they do have the knowledge and expertise and sometimes the equipment to put on beer festivals as well. So if that can all be used for like small, bespoke local festivals, even if it's only like six to eight different beers and they're able to get it out of the back somewhere, it can only help. It definitely can't, it definitely can't not help, can it? No, no. And, and like I say, it's, it's supporting pubs as, as well. It's, in, it's encouraging people to go back to their local and spend more money there, essentially, which is what the pubs need right yeah. now. Now, the question is, when should they put these on? Because I would say at the moment, and even maybe once restrictions are lifted, do you want these festivals at your busy times? Or should they be looking, you know, like pubs and clubs always used to have darts on a Monday, pool on a Tuesday, because those were a bit quieter. Should they think about having festivals maybe starting earlier in the week? I don't know what anyone else might think, but do you need to pack your pub out with festival beer tickers and goers, as well as your regulars and reg other people at weekends? I, su I suppose it, it depends. I, I, I would say so if you if you take again we'll use the vicar as an example they they currently don't open on a monday and tuesday i don't i'm not sure whether they ever really have opened on those mondays lists. was the day that was least likely or yeah was less hours tuesday i think they did because we, we well we've recorded there on a monday or tuesday before yeah that's true yeah yeah but at the moment they're not open because that they're simply not getting enough people in so it's it, it's costing them money to open Fair so enough. Would doing one of these events on one of those closed nights help them? Possibly not, because they're going to have to bring in staff. Oh yeah, I'm not saying to, there's a perfect to, way to of doing manage it, but it. I'm thinking that some of these places will be really busy at weekends anyway. Yeah, so maybe weekends aren't the best thing. I mean, certainly things like meet the meet the brewers and you know tap takeovers, local beer specials, that sort of thing. You'd maybe do those on a weeknight, on, on, on one of the quieter nights that you're open. Maybe start it on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, like a beer festival often would, and let it just build up to the weekend with people, yeah. ever increasing numbers. But but like I say, again, you know, if you take, again, we'll use Colchester as, as the example, because obviously we've been to the beer festival there a few times, the one that's held in the old oh, church. Yeah, the old church. There is no reason in my mind why the organiser of that beer festival couldn't go to the four or five pubs in town that are known for serving quality cask ale and saying, right, we're going to run the Colchester Summer Beer Festival, but across, or can we run the festival across five pubs? Multi venue. So we're going to give each of you X number of beers. People can buy a card. From us, where they can then have like essentially pre-buy their beers in each place, but you can you can have a, like an owl trowel. You can have people ticking off where they've been, what beers they've had, all that sort of thing. There's I don't see any reason why a number of local pubs couldn't come together to host that town or city's summer beer festival. I completely this agree, year. and I think you'd actually get more interest. Yeah, with people doing it that way. And you would probably end up popping into somewhere that maybe wasn't always on your radar or your route. But if there's, say, a six pub, Ale Trail, you're not just going to do five, are you? No, you're going to do them all. You're going to complete it. Yeah. So I actually think, I think 
for somewhere the size of Colchester, and there's plenty of comparable sized towns as well. I think mean, that'd be an excellent idea. Make it as a bit of an ale trail within the city centre. People walking between places and effectively visiting places which wouldn't normally be on their route. But you have a coordinator. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I could see that working in Colchester. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope that some venues, pubs, local camera branches come up with some great ideas. For, well, for, if we for give this. them another six months, they can use this one. Well, yeah, they can use that idea we've just given them. Yeah, as, there you as, go. As, as, as can well. I have, can yeah. I have another one yeah, of us? Yeah, please, please give us a credit when you use our ideas. <laughs> that's, that's all we're saying. Um, and then, then finally in the news, and, and this isn't so much a single story as a, a, a collection of annoyances. It's a bit of a build-up, isn't it? <laughs> I think, I think is, is what you could possibly say. Now, this is the whole thing around some people's current behaviour towards pubs. And, and that's things like no showing once once you've booked uh, a, a slot. That's things like trying to book a number of tables for a number of group of friends and then you all come together. It's, um, it's just people are just being dicks, basically, aren't they? It's so annoying because as I referenced it in Beer Adventures, I did have to do a bit of... It was a bit more logistics this year about... Okay, which places do we need to book? Okay, we're not going to book them. There's five of us. Perhaps they're the ones we go to first. The ones which we've got a booking, but we stick to the booking. And obviously, not just my mate Neil, but another mate Mark, he had some friends as well, and he said about meeting them. I said, look, there are some times when we haven't got a booking, but when we've got a booking, there's only five of us. So we can't just have... Uh, and I was quite upfront about it, because I didn't want to be in an awkward position, because I don't like this behaviour. We are where we are. We need to suck it up for a little while longer. Stop fucking around and trying to circumnavigate it. You're just making it difficult for venues. And also, this is their livelihood. Yeah. It's their licence which potentially gets taken away because you've decided to be a fuckwit. And it's their livelihood that's in danger with people doing multiple bookings and then just choosing to go to the one. But they think, oh yeah, he's quite sunny now. Well, go with the outside one. Yeah. The place with the inside, we won't even bother telling them. The, the, the no-shows thing is, is, is particularly galling. It, it, it really is. And the, the amount of times I'm seeing different businesses and bars and places tweeting about the amount of no-shows. Well, we didn't mention it when that, we that recorded with um, Six Degrees North, but they had mentioned it shortly yeah. before that show. But we were having such a good chat that we didn't get onto yeah. that subject. Yeah. And they've had quite a few as well. And they've recently took a decision to close two bars or sell them off. Yeah. So what? This isn't helping then, is Why it? Why would you do that to, to that business? So the, the Liverpool Craft Beer Collective have put together quite an interesting blog, and we'll, we'll, we'll put uh, a link to this in the show notes. But that basically, they've, they've costed out, essentially, what a no-show costs a business over the course of a year. So I'm, I'm going to pretty much read this verbatim. So if a bar loses out on a table booking, which is worth £100, let's say each person has three to four drinks at £20 per each person on average for a party of five people over two to three hours, then this happening in a night, probably at a rate of two to three no-shows, means two to £300 of lost revenue. A week, this can add up to 1,200 opening on a Thursday to Sunday, and then over a month, this will be nearly 5,000 pounds. That can build into an even more significant sum over a year, around 60,000 pounds based on these assumptions. So that's what your decision to not go to a bar that you've booked 
is costing the industry. Yeah, and um, let's face it, we've all been to doctor surgeries where they advertise how many people don't turn up for your medical yeah. appointments. You not turning up for a medical appointment, meaning I can get a booking, is exactly the same here. If I'm out with other people and as things currently are, I'm not going to take a chance that somewhere might have a space just because someone else hasn't shown. And given that they hold, a lot of people say, we'll hold it for 15 minutes. So it's still another gap before they've even had the chance to cancel it properly, isn't it? And, you know, they've got some other numbers on there, but some industry figures talking about, you know, uh, you know, we're talking billions across the whole of the hospitality industry being lost yeah. to this. It's just fucking rude, to be honest. It, if I said I was coming round to yours and you and Emma have gone out, so you, you, you bought your cheeses, you, you've opened, uh, you've got some beers ready. We may decide to have a bottle of wine. I, I like the way you open with cheese, by the way. I know it's, you and Emma. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I know you and Emma. So, you know, we'll have some cheese, we'll have some other beige. Um, let's get ready for the evening out. And then it would be bad enough if suddenly I let you know a short space beforehand. But I would have let you know. Yeah. Now let's let's hope there's a good reason for it, and there can be a good reason for not going. I don't think there's a good reason for not saying. No, I I don't think there is because let, let's assume that these people have enough intelligence to have been able to have made the booking in the first place. So they've either phoned or they've gone onto the website or they've emailed. So that they've managed to make the booking. How many seconds does it take to then repeat that process to say, really sorry, we're not going to be able to make our booking today? I, I don't know. I mean, I was running late for Northern Monk by about 10 minutes and I tweeted them to say that we are on our way, apologies. And I did try phoning them, but Saturday afternoon they were a bit busy, never got around to, to answering, but I did leave them a voicemail. But I wasn't cancelling, I just wanted to let them know we were definitely on the way because there probably are people who weren't doing that. And then they're just holding this table for, an, for another no-show. It's just, you know, we'll get onto the other aspects of where people are trying to be clever, in inverted commas. But I think it's always been annoying. Mm. Not letting people it's, know. It's just rude. It's rude. Common courtesy. Yeah. You stick with that. Because you wouldn't like it done to you about something, whether that be a meeting at work, a call with friends, someone saying they're coming over, yet you are exactly then the same type of people who are then not showing up at somewhere, which is then, as soon as you don't turn up, they've lost money. And, and I, I guarantee that these sort of people are the, are the same people that complain when there's a deposit that's taken for a table booking as, as, as well. Yeah, and I, 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 I know the quandary that venues are in about doing it. Yesterday, I was lucky enough for Father's Day that my stepdaughters treated uh, Michelle and I to lunch they did have to put a deposit down. The deposit came off the bill. Yeah. It's a small deposit. They didn't have a problem doing it. It doesn't cover, by any stretch of the imagination, the, it was the equivalent of a couple of pints. But it does mean that people are invested in going. Yeah, yeah. If I have to put a deposit down now, I haven't got a problem with it. No, I, I, I don't. And the, the few times that M and I have been to Three Wise Monkeys... They take a deposit. It's only a tenner for, for your booking. And, and again, that comes off of your bill. And we look at it in, in a way, well, that's our first 
drink. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not your first two drinks, it's definitely your first drink. But I've no problem paying that because I want to go there on, on, on that day and I've made that commitment. And once I've made a financial commitment, I'm more likely to go Yes. as, as well. Because if I am one of these people that is chancing my arm and I'm booking a whole load of places, if I've got to pay a £10 deposit at five different places, I'm 50 quid out of pocket straight away. Exactly. Or I'm 40 quid out of pocket if I choose not to turn up at four of them. In my mind, that's the solution. I, I, know, I know it's difficult for businesses to implement. Yeah. I, I, I do get that. But I, I think that there are people out there that simply don't care enough. Yeah. And, and again, they will be the first people that are complaining when places start closing because they can't afford to open anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the people who are being clever. Oh, and trying to get yeah. around the... Oh, so Mr. Roach, you've booked a table of six. Oh, Mr. Bentall, you've booked a table of six. You want those tables together, do you? Yeah. And you're just going to try and mingle between them as well. Well, that's really helpful. And then the staff have to intervene because that's what they're there to do. So rather than serving the paying customers, they have to police you because you're being dickheads. And that's not fair on the staff. No. Either. And Brew York put out an excellent piece about this, saying, look, these are the rules. They're not made up by Brew York. They are just enforcing them because that's the way that they're allowed to trade. And again, I still don't get it. I still don't, I still don't understand why people are trying to get around it. It, it is what it is for now. Yes... Things have been pushed back a little bit, but I, I, I still believe, unfortunately, I still believe there are people out there that think on the, is it the 19th of July now? That it's guaranteed. That everything will go back to how it was in February 2020. And if anyone else calls it Freedom Day, I might fucking oh, scream. don't even start with, with, with Freedom Day. It's, uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. And, you said last year, actually, after the first lockdown, about people being clever. And those attitudes seemingly haven't changed. I know. It's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Look, I'm just really pleased I can go to the pub. I can go to the pub with friends. Now, could it be that at some point it would be really convenient to have more than six around a table or a couple of tables put together? There probably would be instances. But at the moment... It's not possible, so I don't plan it that way. No, you you accept it for what it for what it is. Yes, the same as I accept it at home, but that rule, you know, the rule of six applies indoors yeah. as well. I want us to move forward, whether it's to where we were in February twenty twenty, or it's just better than where we are now. I want us all to move forward, whether that be in a, from a personal point of view, returning to work point of view, returning to the pub hospitality. And for me, I don't want fuckwits causing me problems about going to the gym again, either. So just just obey the rules, just get on with it. And why should someone who's employed by a bar to bring you food, bring you drinks, tell you a bit about what they do, have to then police you as well? It's, 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 not, just, it's, it's not fair on the servers to, to have no. to do that additional policing. But it's, if, if you love that business that you're going to as much as you say you do don't put their license at risk by trying to circumnavigate the rules that are in place for a reason right now yeah do we all agree with the reason do we all agree with the rationale i still find it quite hard to 
get my head around fully the coming into a venue, mask on, sit down, mask off, being able to walk around. But I ain't going to fight it. And I'm not going to take pride by saying I'm not going to do it, which some people seem to actually make a point and feel like they're actually doing something very liberating. Well, for the 10 seconds I might need to wear it to go to the loo compared to the person serving me beer who has to wear it for maybe 10 hours. I don't really see that as being very fair on them. I do not envy anybody working in hospitality right now that, that has to wear their masks for any period of time. So the least we can do is respect them yeah, with abs- the rules absolutely. while we're in Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and respect them by treating them nicely as well, being kind to them. You, you, you. God, that's, now you're getting that's, oh, no, that's no, crazy it's, it's, it's asking for too much it's asking for too much we should probably should, should probably move on seeing as I've <laughs> finished um, the socks and sandals um, I actually found that uh, much easier to drink than the first one I did find it easier um, I do like the bitterness at the end of it and that bitterness has in, seemingly increased a bit um, yeah. and it's more pure bitterness rather than a fruity pithy yeah, bitterness yeah I think that's what I struggled with with that hen house was that pithiness. It was it was too much pithy. Superbly easy to drink. Really well balanced actually. You know the the four hop varieties did work really well together. Yeah, great combo. Um, I probably couldn't pick out. There wasn't really one dominating. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, and again, I mean, they're what's humble sea socks and sandals. Again, it's not a it's not a beer I've come across. It may be the only time I ever have this beer. So again, you know, thank you, Graham, for sending it over. But it has gone down really well. That yeah. One. Well, I'm looking forward to the next one. So this is another beer from Hen House. This is a Hen House IPA, but this is an incredible parallel. It's the lightest of the three beers, Steve. It's more traditional looking isn't there's it there's definitely it's... a lot of clarity there I mean I have to admit all of these are poured really nicely in terms of like the head retention as well mm-hmm. um, it's clear I'm... I feel <laughs> like this is right up my street let's get straight into this cheers okay we're just going to skip the rest of the show <laughs> yeah we're just, that's really good that one so this comes in at 6.9% because it's a Monday night, why wouldn't you just carry on going up the scale? Um, built around five of the most favouritist, I quite like that, that's the sort of thing we'd say, hops, Cascade, Simcoe, Mosaic, Belma, and Halatau. That's not a hop I've heard of. Now, Halatau is very much towards a lager type of hop, that, isn't that's, it? That's, a, that's a, one of the noble? noble hops, isn't it? Yeah. Belma, I'm not familiar with at all. I'm not, actually. Um, so it's the Halitau Blank. Uh, so all of the hoppy beers through what uh, this beer has allowed us to do is uh, a keystone. It's always very fresh. And yes, it's coming across that way for certain. But yeah, I've got, I'd love for someone to let me know a bit more about Belmar, I have to admit. I, I would. And in, in terms of freshness, these cans do have a canned on date on them. So this was, actually, this was canned on the 28th of April, which as we recalled in mid-June is only two months. Yeah, it's not bad. Not, not even that, possibly. And we, we do know that sometimes some beers are actually do benefit from not being drunk immediately. But this has been in a decent level of transit. Yeah, it's and come potentially, on the states. We don't know quite where it's sat for for some of the time when it's 
in a cargo hold, it's probably in quite it's probably in quite a good place. Yeah. Once it gets off the plane and it's sitting somewhere before it gets into the van and over to us in Essex, we don't know. But that I mean, that, I mean really enjoyed the first two because you know we did. This feels like someone has said, "Yeah, I know what kind of beers they really like." But I'm going to give you those two first anyway. Yeah, yeah. See what you think. This one is fantastic. So. I'm glad it is because it does say incredible pale ale. It doesn't say India pale. It really ale. needed to live up to that yeah. label, didn't it? So far, so good. Yeah, and and I think you mentioned there. Obviously, we, we said earlier that the Graham had sent a, a couple of packages, and and one took a bit longer to arrive than the other. And he was quite worried as as to how these beers would would come across. And I, I think I, I shared with him at the time that the one thing they've probably benefited from is our really cold spring that we had basically it yep. wasn't it wasn't like the wonderful hot <laughs> period that we had last year it's been quite cold up and up until recently so actually these beers have performed really well i i, I would say yeah and probably just uh, to mention so hen house is from sonoma county which you know i think everyone will recognize as being a very famous county in relation to the to the beer world yeah um it's you know for the beer it is it's got plenty of lovely hop green colours on the can as well, which would obviously draw Steve in. Ticking a lot of boxes for me, yeah. <laughs> it's green and hoppy. And, yeah, this is really, really tasty, actually. Yeah, this one this one isn't going to last long, so we should probably crack on with this week's question. Hopinions, 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 hopinions. Which is, how are you getting on with table service? So this is kind of linked to the discussion that we were having at the end of the news there in terms of um, people's behaviours at the moment. We did want to do a, a poll that basically said, are people assholes when they don't turn up for a booking? <laughs> but we thought that would be our first ever 100% landslide vote. Um, so yeah, we decided to go with table service instead. So we had 460 votes on this. 55.7% of people went for love it. 13.9% of people went for hate it and 30.4% of people went with not fussed. So first up from A.D. Goodrich, I love it. It's like being in Europe. Why stand at the bar for ages trying to get served when you can order drinks at your table? Paul Wright at Lean Left Right. I like table service. It took me a few trips to Belgium to appreciate it and it obviously requires good service and knowledge of what's available. Having to book tables is something I am looking forward to not having to do though. And a comment from Carsmile Steve at Carsmile Steve. Love it. Perhaps a bit strong but closest. Main annoyance is my phone is rapidly filling up with a bunch of different apps. From John Moore at The Beer Idiot, love it, but understand why some venues won't continue post-pandemic, but I hope others do. From John at Witchwood, John, not a fan. It doesn't work for lone drinkers like me. You feel bad taking a table to yourself or forcing yourself on others, or indeed end up sitting with people you'd rather not. Out with others, no problem. And then from Mark Johnson, I love sitting at the bar, but no reason that can't be incorporated into table service in the future. As a customer, I'm not fussed either way, but would would always rather order with a real person rather than through an app. As my partner says, though, working in a bar role, love table service for the interaction and sociability, but I'm entirely exhausted by asking people to wear masks, sit down and not mix tables. Even when restrictions are gone, people will make it a nightmare. Well, we can come back to that. Yeah. 
Uh, bod at Tribod. I like socialising at the bar and looking what takes my fancy. Plus, flagging bar staff down for another drink feels rude when busy and you'll always get more runs who try and jump the queue. That said, the bar staff are ace and doing a fantastic job. From Ash Corbett Collins at Corbett Collins. It does a job. I don't hate it, but I look forward to it disappearing in the not-too-distant future. Similar view here from Tom Tat at Tom Tat. Accept it, won't cry when it goes. And then Cask Theology. Hit not fussed because from a barman's perspective, it's a mixed bag. Having people using our app is great for us out front, but it's caused absolute nightmares for the kitchen. I could go into further detail, but Twitter allows you only so many words. DM us. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Go, in, go into that detail. Yeah. Send us it. And, we'll uh, share it. We'll share it. From Craig Henderson at the Manchester Smoggy. I've gone with not fast because I've had some really good table service and I've had some not so good table service. When it's good, I love it. But when it's bad, you can end up waiting ages and spend half your time trying to catch the eye of staff. Justin Mason at 1970s Boy. My only gripe is that after a quick pint, it can be difficult to get noticed. Easier now you can go inside and find a table as showing staff that I've checked in seems to work. I expect it's not easy for staff trying to keep up with who is there, especially in larger venues though. From Nate at NateDog27, I wouldn't be sad if table service never ended, but I understand why some pubs don't like doing it. I've spoken to so many people working pubs who will go back to normal the minute they can, cramming as many people in as possible. And then from the Owl Lady... I didn't think I'd like it, but I actually do. The big thing I miss is per, per, perusing the pump clips and having a natter with whoever's serving, but I definitely don't hate it. From Lou on Brew, no queuing for drinks, no arsewipe getting served even though you both knew you were there first. What's not to like? I'm happy if I never have to queue for a beer again, although menus have to be accurate and complete. Have you ever asked a server in a generic pub what's on draft? Beers Without Frontiers podcast at Beers Without Frontiers. Table service, what's not to like? It's a civilised way to drink. No more leaving a great conversation with your mates to spend 15 minutes elbowing ignorant bar flies out of the way and being ignored at the bar. From Richard Taylor at RichTaylor1608. Negatives, extra staff costs, more walking, tray skills, being called Manuel 30 times a shift, not how a pub should be. Positive means the pubs can open. Talking to customers more, upselling, pretending we're on the continent, knowing it will end eventually. And then finally from Russ Clark at Gentleman of Beer, who spent many hours sat with you, probably experiencing his own table service, I would have thought. Uh, you guys know I'm a huge fan. We have tech-enabled table service, which I personally love, and feedback from customers is that they do too. From restrictions ending, who knows, we're going to keep the QR code stuff and run it alongside face-to-face table service. However, someone wants a beer, they'll get it. I think there's some excellent comments there, and it, there's actually quite. A, there's a lot I can't disagree with. No, it's, what, it's a real mixed bag yeah, of comments, isn't it? This week? Been, I mean, let's start with it. So, Russ, like I said, he he spent a lot of time with us. The whole QR code thing, I think. You really need to make sure that if you're going to have things like QR codes and apps, you need to have a good Wi-Fi as well. Yes. Wherever you are. That's essential. And that hasn't always been the case. But I know what you're saying. It's also so easy to just press a few buttons and say, oh, let's get another one. And it does seem for those places, especially those places that I experienced, obviously in a condensed period of time when I was in Leeds, the ones who had the apps 
those beers came flying out. And it did, going back to one of the comments about trying to flag someone down, it avoided that. Because I don't know about you, but and I think we're probably both the same. And maybe this is also part of maybe a bit of our culture. I'm not very good at flagging people down without feeling like I'm being rude as soon as I do it. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I am gonna call Rich, I am gonna call Rich Manuel now that he's told me it annoys him. <laughs> you know what? I never thought of doing that. I, no, I really hadn't. But like, if you know if you know the Vic and you know the age of some of the people, then no one will remember Manuel from forties quite I, well. I can't, I can't wait to go there again. And just <laughs> just refer to him as Manuel constantly. But aside from that, and yes, I can imagine that joke wears very thin very quickly. But there were some places in Leeds where we did have to flag people down. And there never feels like a polite way of doing it, of flagging someone down. Even even when I've been in restaurants, I've never been, do you put your hands up? Do you just try to catch their eye? There's never been a comfortable way, I think, of nodding nodding to someone and saying, oh, I want the bill. Or where you do a bit of a universal, as if you're writing a cheque, which no one does these days anyway. So yes, I get that. And it is, uncom- I'm sure there are some people who are, Walter or Duck's back don't mind doing it in any sort of way as long as they get the attention. Getting someone jumping the queue, that can happen. Table service or at the bar because people are arse wipes, to coin a phrase that was used. Yeah, just just before we go further into that, I, want, I just want to jump back to the getting people's attention. I think I think there's a difference between... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a skill level, isn't it, basically? And, and, and some servers are simply more attentive than others and, oh, yeah. and and they will look and they will notice and and the really good ones will also very quickly realize your drinking speed as 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 well and and they'll know that by the point you're at two thirds down a pint that they should probably come over and ask you if you want your next one because that's going to be finished by the time they've poured it your pint's finished. And I, there was definitely one venue in Leeds where I, we definitely had an extra round because someone saw where we were. We could have done without the extra drink, but they asked us, and we go, oh yeah, yeah, we'll have another drink. Yes. Same again. And within two minutes, we've got another drink, and which we did have to drink a bit quicker, but they have sold us another drink. There's, uh, someone said upselling, didn't they? R- yeah. r- again, Rich said the, yeah. the potential and I think upselling. Russ may have mentioned it before and some, some other yeah. stuff he's talked about. So there are advantages to it as well. I can definitely understand why some places may not want to carry on doing it for a variety of reasons. And for those kind of places, especially maybe smaller places, space, mm-hmm. um, how much it may cost, the time spent, whatever it might be, I get it. Or you may have clientele which really don't want to do an app thing either. Yeah. Well, well again, you know, we've, we've referenced it so many times tonight and we will continue to do it because it's it's a place that we're both familiar with is, is, is the Vic. If you think about... There, in in past times, that the heart of their community in the bar is at is is at the bar. Oh yeah, that that's where people congregate, and they'll they'll sit there, they'll stand there. Their their clientele is 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 a bar fly clientele. And even if you're not at the bar, the next set of tables is not a million miles away. No, so you still you can still talk to the bar. So so I can I can understand that you know they probably feel like. They've had the, the the heart ripped out of what they do by having to push people away from their bar and push, you know, and as a result, they've obviously, they're down on numbers, you know, the capacity's much reduced. Um, but that in itself, 
does come with its disadvantages, as a, as a, as a couple of people have, have said here, in terms of you know the whole barflies, the whole experience of trying to look over somebody's head to see what's on the bar, and you know I, I've I've had it myself. You know, someone sat there, they're enjoying their pint. You've you've been polite and you said, "Oh, excuse me, I just want to see," and they will not move. Because as far as they're concerned, that's their space. Mm-hmm. They have some sort of God-given right to that space at the bar. And I'm like, well, I just want to have a look in the fridge. I just want to see what... Or mm-hmm. I just want to have a look at the pump clips and see what beers are on. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you who did make a good point, And I assume this comes from Simon at Beers Rare Frontiers, was the bit about not having to abandon your conversation. Yeah, I thought that was a fantastic that point. That was a really good point because I had never really thought it in those terms. I was thinking more about the practical side, the, the logistics. But yeah, we, you know, there's five of us, we haven't seen each other for a while. Really, apart from having to go to the loo, we didn't really have to break off our conversations. Yeah. At all because we suddenly didn't have to go, and let's, there's five of us. So if one person's going to the bar, eventually you need one of your mates to come over as well to give you a hand with the drinks. So suddenly two people are away from the conversation. Whereas we just sat there. Yeah, but and how many times in the past have you gone to the bar because it's your round? You've come back and it's a different conversation. Yes. You've, you've no idea what they're talking I've about. I've missed the ending of the first one. And, and, then, and then you sit there for five minutes like that. Yeah. And I've missed, I've missed, the, I've missed the start of this one. I'm going, okay, where do I come in now? Yeah. It's, it's like, but I had a really good point I wanted to make on yeah. that last discussion. But I can't go back to it now. No, because we've, we've moved way on. Yeah. We're, we're on to something else. That, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic observation. Yeah. I think the... That one. I think... It, we will. It's like a lot of things. It's here. It ain't going away. I think a lot of places will go for some sort of hybrid of the yes. two. Yes. If you've got the space, the tech, and perhaps you were already, uh, you had a bit of a food-led operation as well. So you're already doing table service if you're food-led. Then I think you can do it. I I would say that somewhere like the Vic will probably look forward to not doing it, and I can understand that for the reasons you've mentioned. Equally, uh, I think that North Brewing, they said that the intention was was always to have table service there. This is regardless of COVID. And then I think there'd be places that will go, if we've got an app, we've already got the tech in place, and you want to order from the app. And again, that's probably what Spoons had already, wasn't it? Spoons already had the app and bar service. It's almost like they saw this coming. It was almost like this week. Maybe he created COVID. Well, he created created Brexit. Brexit. Yeah, and single-handedly destroyed an entire workforce of of staff's future opportunities. Yeah, he must be really pleased. That's almost like a hat-trick. Let's never mention his name again. Agreed. And we didn't. No, we didn't. That's true. That's true. He would always be the, 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 the man who will not be named. I'd rather say Voldemort, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, that's, that, that's, um, that's absolutely fine. I thought that I did actually think there's some really good points. And I can, I can still see fours and against. My personal opinion is that I like having the option. And again, I think I'd caveat also at the time of life I'm at. I've hit 50. I've got a settled group of friends or out with partner, out with family. It's really nice. Yeah. Not to have to get up and leave the conversation or go to the bar and get to the bar and think, oh, fuck, what did someone else want again? What, what was that yeah. awkward I'll drink just, I'll just ordered? go back, lose my place in the queue. And those kind of things. So yeah. I can see lots of advantages, but equally I know that there are some places that if we want them to survive, can't do it. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I believe I feel, I feel like I'm a bit of a stuck record here. I, I, I've said this many times. I love table service. I really do. 
Um, I think it's a much more civil way of drinking. I hate the whole fighting for attention at the bar, trying to get to the bar, trying to get past the bar flies to, to get your order it's in. It's because you're always invisible. When, we, when we, we used to go into the bar, if you were going to the bar, you would take longer. Yeah. You, had, you know that sometimes people say, oh, I always stand in the wrong place. Yeah. There is that. There, it's a thing. You can stand in the wrong place at the bar. You, you can, but then some of that is about your own personality yeah, as well. Exactly. So if you're not outgoing, and which which I'm I'm not, I will find that hidden place. Yeah. And hope I get noticed. And you won't be the only one who does that. And I but I won't force my way through when I don't feel as though it's it's right to do that. Mm. So which so, is which is you know the opposite of what I did when we went to Manchester for the Crimbo Court, and I had the three pints of Colonel before you'd come in the the pub. Yeah. But Which was still an amazing feat. It was an amazing feat, given how busy it was. But that's not about me blowing my own trumpet. That's about these different personalities. So that fight for space, that not pushing past people, but you have to have a certain amount of force to go past people in a tight venue, isn't going to be for everyone. It isn't, but I, I, I do think there are some unfortunate... Well, not unfortunate. It's unfortunate... Um, there are some personality traits within that, aren't, aren't there? Because yeah. I'm I, I'm not the tallest of people, whereas you are a, a couple of inches taller than me. So I generally don't feel as though I would get noticed in a crowd, whereas you probably just are a little bit higher, so you do get noticed a little bit more. And, you, you know, I think the whole thing of... I, I just I hate that scrum at the bar. And that's why that's why I have absolutely fully embraced table service. I said, and I, I would love for it to be here to stay I, I appreciate it's not going to be but I, I think we do need to I would welcome venues very much considering whether they can do a hybrid approach oh yeah I, like I said I can see why people and venues and businesses will decide not to and they may decide they haven't got a choice but not to or they won't survive if they're a good venue, I'd rather they survived than offered the hybrid. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll find a way yeah. to get my drink. Um, but I would agree with you. I think if you're... It, size, I think, probably helps in this particular instance. If you're a decent-sized venue, in fact, it probably does help you. Because it, if I think about the local pub to here, they have tables at the back of a really big beer garden. Effectively, you can be 100 metres away from the bar. Now, that can put people off going for maybe that last extra drink. Whereas if there's an app and you haven't got to get up to order or someone's come yep. around and actually picked up the order off you, that's another round that's been bought. So I think it's a really tricky one. And I know that we all have maybe an I the idyllic moon underwater pub in our head sometimes. But I definitely think there's a place for it. And seemingly, whenever we go abroad to Europe in the days which we used to, we were, we were able to cope with it. Yeah, no one ever moaned about it when, I've, I've never heard anyone come back from Belgium and say, oh, fucking table service. Bloody awful, aren't they? Yeah. They bring you a menu, they ask you what you want, they come back out again. They bring you cheese. <laughs> they bring you cheese. That's what we need, that's... <laughs> Little bowl of cheese. Little bowl of cheese. That's, that's, that's what we want. But as, as you say, loads of fantastic comments on, on that one this week. And we do really appreciate everybody sharing your views. As always, we can only ever share 
uh, a snapshot of those on the show, but keep using that hashtag opinions, keep sharing your views, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know, write it down, let us know, write it down, let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness, write it down. So first up from Pete at Hops and Hoops, love this chat, good stuff, you'll have to enlighten me, read the outro music. So that's uh, in regards to the last show, episode 150, which was... Uh, the show was called Six Degrees of Separation. Um, quite simply, the music was from the film Six Degrees of Separation. It's the best I could do on, <laughs> on, on, on that occasion. Pete was probably thinking deeper. <laughs> yeah, uh, he probably was, but that's that's what it was, Pete. I'm, I'm really sorry it wasn't anything deeper than that. Uh, from Rich Taylor, again, uh, congratulations on reaching this, reaching this great milestone, and I'm looking forward to hearing many more shows in the future. You guys make beer interesting and enjoyable, which is what people need right now. I'll raise a glass to you both later and looking forward to catching up soon. From Bamba Boozer at Gregor J. Really enjoyed that interview. You guys are on fire with the guests these days. Loving it. From Mark Johnson. Sad to hear about the Edinburgh Bar. One of our favourite spots on our annual visit. But good chat all round. Looking forward to S&M trying to work their way through all the news next time. Hopefully, Mark, we have worked our way through it. We just about did it, yeah. Um, from Simon Webster at Bees underscore boy really enjoyed this episode and Robert from Six Degrees North came across so well bonus I'm enjoying a few beer, few days on holiday in the Trossachs and their beers are pretty widely available been enjoying a few cans of Hop Classic not jealous at all no not jealous at all there and then we had some uh, feedback on the special that we dropped the lager special so Pete from Hops and Hoops again uh, and I would just say Full credit to Pete because he does seem to be um, one of the first listeners of the show every week. He's pretty hot on picking the show up and listening to it. Yeah, and, and he's always one of the first to feedback as well. So thanks for that, Pete. We, yeah. do, we do appreciate you um, constantly sharing your views with us. Uh, done. Great stuff. Love the roundtable feel to this. Getting all of the premier lager brewers in the UK in one show. Quite the coup. And then from Can I Get a P, another good episode of some of the UK's best lager breweries. Somewhere along the way, I've missed that Don Zoko beer have moved north. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's out now. <laughs> from Michael and Mick McGrawty, brilliant surprise yesterday, a fantastic episode with all the country's best lager producers. From your boy Rob Edwards, I've told you privately, but allow me to say publicly, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Yours sincerely, a late convert to lager. Some, some really nice feedback there. It was lovely feedback, and I know we referenced it earlier, but it was great fun doing it, and I'm glad that the round table feel, as Pete said, came across, because that's what we were really aiming for. That's what we wanted, yeah. We, we really wanted to, to, to get that. I, I think what I was trying to replicate was was probably the um, the original Beer Nation that we did back in 2015, when where we literally, literally round the table. had a group of people round the table. Um I thought we could do that with, with with Zoom and some a little bit in the post edit as well in terms of where the audio sat made it sound like I tried to make it sound like that you as the listener were sat at that table with the voices around you. No, you and did. it sounds like that came across. You did a very good job and again thank you very much to our, our Lager Brewer guests. It was they made the show. Yes, that, yeah, none of that was us. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would say that, I mean, you made the show by editing it and putting it out, but they, you know, their content is what people have really loved yes. from that. Yeah. And if you've got any more thoughts about it, please share it. Yeah, keep, keep, keep the thoughts coming. Use the hashtag opinions. 
what are your thoughts on this um, Hen House Incredible Palau? Um, Graham, why was there only one can each? <laughs> it's basically the only thing I can say. Um, it, it is so it's, good. He's probably swearing right now, saying, I, I sent you fuckers four bottles of Pliny. <laughs> you should be happy. And all you can do is moan about me and not saying another Hen House. Yeah. Um, uh, which would be a fair comment. Um, I mean, as a compliment, it's a really, it's a really good beer. It's really clean. I do actually want to say it has got similarities with Pliny. It has. That's yeah. that slightly soft mouthfeel, but still really clean, and hitting all the right notes in the right order it's, as well. Yeah, there, there's a lot of bold flavours going on in there, as 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 well. But it does finish really, really easy. Um, it's a beer which you just want to get back to. You finish your sip, you put your glass down, it's like, oh, I want another sip. Yeah. And, uh, the only thing which has actually slowed us is because we've been reading out the comments and chatting. Because we've both been talking. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason that has lasted yeah. this long. And it's another big can as well. I mean, that's that's three big cans down now. So m- many apologies to the listeners for what happens in the <laughs> remainder of this show and, and how slurry it might get. Let's move on to the last beer of this week's show. And this is from Firestone Walker. This is their Mind Haze, but it's not just any old Mind Haze, oh, is it? Of course it ain't. <laughs> Why would it be any old Mind Haze? It's the, it's the double Mind Haze at 8.3%. And as I said before, what could go wrong on a Monday doing that? Well, not having to commute the next day is quite handy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, basically, it starts off on a tap percent of variants of Mind Haze. And I think we, we, I've had Mind Haze. I don't think I have, because that Mind Haze is the one that Thornbridge are contract brewing for Firestone Walker, isn't it? Yes. In in the UK. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the last uh, I did have Mind Haze, and it does say um, through the Thornbridge. I don't know whether it was the ones that they were doing then, or whether it was before they started contract brewing. Okay. But I have had Mind Haze. This looks a bit more like the first two beers in the glass. It it does, and it it looks even thicker. It does look thicker, but there's only one way to find out what it's like. Let's get in. Cheers. What's your first impression? That's chewy. It's resinous. There's a real resinous feel going on to that. Then there's some of that orange. It's almost like an oily orange, isn't it? Yeah, it's like orange oil. And... Yeah, and, and that, that dominates. Yeah, it's, as, if there's been a theme across at least three of the beers, there's definitely been a bit of an orange <laughs> orange theme. Yeah. There. So, yeah, it's, it is hazy. It's probably the, the heaviest, not just about the ABV, but in the, its mouthfeel. I'd, I'd, I'd agree, yeah. It's, it's, it feels thicker. Yeah. You say it's chewy. I'm not quite at the chewy, but it definitely feels like more of a sipper. <laughs> I don't think it's definitely one. I mean, it's in the smaller can. Yeah. So this must be a three five five, I presume. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it's in a small can. Yeah. After after three beers that have uh, have gone before it, yeah. and and I believe that I'm sure I remember Graham saying that he actually picked this up from the brewery. Oh, did as, he? As well. So 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 when he got it, it was like brewery fresh. Oh, Graham, you're a good man for not just finishing those off yourself and sending them <laughs> yeah. over to us. Yeah. Seriously. I'm just gonna go and pick a few beers up from the brewery. Which one? Firestone Walker. 
Well, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. I, I am, and um, I'm going to take another sip actually before we go into further <laughs> because cause I, I, I just want another taste of it. Oh, it's supposed to be rude for me not to join you then, Steve. There's some slight tropical notes going on in the middle there. A little bit of uh, a little bit of pineapple, a little bit of pine- passion fruit in in the middle, and maybe a little bit of mango as 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 well. But have you noticed three out of these four beers have been hazy, foggy? One of mm-hmm. them was turned as. But it's still a West Coast version. Oh yeah, of yeah. Hazy it's, and foggy. it's not the it's not the sticky sweet East Coast. No, it's definitely it's definitely not um, a New England. None of these beers have been. I have been trying to be a bang on New England style, but it feels like they've gone well. We already know we've got something really good, but we'll tweak it a bit. We'll give you a bit of that haze, a bit of that cloudiness. Maybe we'll amp up some of the tropical notes. But we're still based on the West Coast. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose that if, if you go back to when we spoke to Ken uh, about when Sierra Nevada released the Fantastic Haze it, and, and the big little thing, it was like, well, we had to get into that market. Yeah. Oh, fan- I haven't had actually had Fantastic Haze for a while. That is, that, no, that is a dangerous beer. Yeah. I mean, that's 9% plus. But, but this, is, this is on a par. Yeah. With that, like I think your description was perfect. It's it's a West Coast version of a New England IPA. Yeah, it's it's like we've gone west to east. I know that some people do these like north, like east west coast type beers. The the mountain yeah. IPAs, yeah, yeah. This definitely feels like yeah, we're West Coast, but we'll give you a little bit of East Coast. But remember where we are. Yeah. Where we come from. Always, always remember your roots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, while we're drinking this, we've got a couple of questions this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. So first up from Mike Maguire at Maguire Mike, who sent us a link to an article about beer spas. Now, we'll put the link in, in the show notes. And, and, and this is essentially about going to a spa that is all about beer. So... Did you look at the pictures? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the bath are made out of old barrels or barrels and FVs and, and, and all that sort of thing and he'll, he, he, basically what he wants to know is our thoughts on a beer spa and if any of our listeners have ever been to one and whether we would use one or, or, or not what, what, what do you think on this one? I looked at the pictures and aesthetically what I will say is, firstly, well done to the people who put the pictures on the website that we can link the show notes to, by actually just not bothering to show people. You don't need to, do you? No. With, with those pictures. Um, the place looks really nice. And I suppose it actually does dovetail a little bit into, you know, having a beer in the bath. Yes. So you've got these big baths, which look really deep as well. Um, but you've got a tap. <laughs> beside the bath so I don't know how the pricing works whether they do it on that you're in there and it's on your credit card or there's a certain amount you can do anyway quite like the look of it I reckon you could end up quite boozy by the end of it A it's Belgian beers so let's assume a bit of strength there Yeah, you're relaxing maybe it's a little bit warmer as well I'd, I'd give it a go actually it does look really nice I mean the, the place that we stayed in Prague when we went to Czechia was a beer hotel wasn't it and there were a couple of rooms in, in that hotel yes. it wasn't the ones rooms that we stayed in but there were a couple of rooms that had the um, the, the baths with the beer fonts yes. in, in, in them as well wasn't there yeah um, and I, I quite like the idea of it because I mean 
spas are often associated with things like you know champagne days or afternoon teas that kind of thing so why not do it the beer thing but also make the whole place aesthetically about the beer as well and, and there, there's like a jar there was a picture of one of the like a jar of hops and stuff yeah I would do it I think if you had a a hotel nearby or it's part of a hotel I think it'd be a very relaxing day I reckon you'd be in bed quite early to be honest I, like I said you got, I can see you doing that with your partner yeah definitely yeah. especially if you both do have a love if you're both into it yeah yeah um, I think it would I think it would really work I've, I'd like to hear what other people say I mean I, I'm assuming that the actual and this is the bit I couldn't work out because the website is more about the design rather than a link to booking I assume that the spa bit is a beer it's not like Cleopatra's yeah you're not bathing in beer yeah it's not like the bathing, bathing in acid milk I don't feel like that's that's going to be relaxing no that bit I don't wouldn't get no, no. <laughs> happy to have a beer in the bath with a tap no. beside the bar. Yeah, I can just keep topping up. Yeah, that bit I get. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what I'm assuming. But I, I like the aesthetics of it. I think it does look really nice. Yeah. If we, well, if we've got any listener views, let, let us know what you think on that one. And the other question this week is from Paul at UNRCD. With pubs having to use table service, are you tipping staff more than you used to? Simple answer, yes. Same here. I didn't really tip much before. Um, I, I, think, I think the staff are earning it. Uh, yeah, I, let's let's go back. So I'm going to the bar, and I think I've got as close to serving myself as I can. You do need to do the last bit yourself. That's rightly or wrongly. Then I was less likely to tip if I had some change and I've got one of those jars on the bar. Then maybe, um, but I do tip, and I you know checked a few times when we leave because we're doing it all on one card. Made sure we we checked before we did it. But I still want the option. I don't want. I don't want what Fuller's did to me, where they charge twelve and a half percent, and I have no choice but to have table mm. service. Give me the option, so I can. I can at least feel like I've made a bit of a judgment. Have the staff been any good? Have I been served well? Have the beers been good? And if you're charging a fair price for your beers, I'm more likely to tip the staff. The only thing I do like to know is that is the person who's looked after me for X amount of hours getting the tip. Yeah. That's that's a key thing for me as uh, as well, and uh, I, 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 I don't know about you, but obviously you go back to that that Fuller's example. But my experience of tipping is that the that the better the service has been, the greater the tip will be. Yeah. So your server at Fuller's may have been better than the automatic amount that they got added on. Yeah, quite possibly. But you didn't get the opportunity no. to, to add that. And and, and I would say again, if, if it goes back to our earlier discussions about table service and the way things are right now, is, is that some places haven't quite set themselves up to allow you to tip your server no. when, when you're paying by card. Either it's that they come over, they tell you the amount and you tip it. And it's, it's, it's not always a case of, especially if you're starting off at like three o'clock in the afternoon, you don't want to be saying to your server, oh, can I buy you a drink as, as, as a thank you? Because they've literally just started like a seven-hour shift. Yeah, and I assume a lot of the time these days, most people aren't drinking while they're working. No, I, I don't think places. very few people are. Um, and yes, that's very much the traditional version of or putting one in the, in the pipe for you, one in the glass for you, whatever it might be, the phrase. But that doesn't feel like they'd always get the opportunity to take it. Yeah, because if five people offer you that, 
and you still got a bit of a distance to get home late at night, are you really going to have all those drinks? No, you'd rather have the cash, wouldn't you? It's not the same as the land, like old school landlord lives above as well. That's a bit different. Um, so yeah, but I do like to know that they're getting it if I do do it. So again, you have different apps working in different ways and some places because you're ordering and paying as you go along, you can add a tip on as you go along. I did that a couple of times. And then the other times are you do it all at the end, but by sometimes by the end you've been served by two or three different people. Mm. So I, I presume and hope that that's a venue then which splits it amongst all the staff. In which case I've got no problem with that either because presumably everyone knows what's going on and it also means the people who are never front of house are getting sank as well. Yeah. Because they're also the one who are lining up all the drinks to be taken out. So yeah, simple answer is yes, I probably am. Yeah, I, I think I am as, as well. Um, some great questions. We're closing in on the end of the Mind Haze, which I think we're actually drinking a little bit quicker than we should be for, for this no. point in, in, in the show. <laughs> um, we're really grateful to, to everybody that's got involved in this week's show, sharing a comment or, or, or a question. And if you do want to get involved in the future, make sure to use that hashtag opinions and we will find you. Uh, I do just want to give uh, one final shout out to Graham Gilbert who did send us two very generous care packages all the way from San Francisco in, in the States. We have enjoyed every beer that was in those boxes, haven't we? Oh, thoroughly. And I probably still would, even if he'd chosen a few which may not have ticked all of our boxes, the fact that, first of all, he sent us some beers out of the blue which unfortunately didn't arrive first time round and then literally we went okay that's done but ever so grateful that you tried and then he did try again yeah and they got through and then box number one turned up so no uh, thank you very much Graham the fact that you know you said to us that you've got enough enjoyment out of the show to send us a few beers is a bit like when uh Will Watkins sent us those beers. Yes. It's really quite humbling, actually. It, it is when, when people just from out of nowhere say, oh, I want to send you some beers. And it's, we, we you know, we are always very humbled by that. More, I, I, as much as I love getting beers from breweries and uh, new beers from breweries, when somebody listens to the show and wants to send you some beers, I think that's when you know that not only doing something right, but you're doing something people enjoy. Yes. Because and they want you to enjoy things that they enjoy. Yeah. And we enjoy doing it and we enjoy sharing it. And at the moment, this is the closest we can ever get to sharing it. But Graham, if you're ever, if you're ever coming back to the UK or me and Steve are lucky enough ever to get to San Francisco, um, either as a work trip, <laughs> although we might have to talk about budget for the show on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know, something to do with our partners or families. Uh, we will definitely be looking up, looking you up, Graham, to buy you a beer. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. Now, Graham's got a fundraiser running at, at, at the moment, which uh, Martin and I have both donated to that as a, as a thank you to, to, to these beers. So if, if you did want to donate to that, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, and you can feel free to read Graham's story because it is actually quite a moving one as well. Yeah. And, and, and if you feel as though you, you, you want to donate to that, there, there, there will be a link in the show notes. Um, what have we got coming up on the next show? Really looking forward to this one. Um, Me we're too. We're going to be joined by long-standing friend of the show, Danny, a.k.a. the Owl Lady. Although we can't guarantee the sound of the countryside this time. <laughs> no, we can't. 
guarantee that tranquility that she <laughs> has bought on the uh, the last two appearances as our the roaming correspondent. Roaming correspondent who's gone to the same place twice. Yes. Yeah. You don't blame her for that though. I mean, no. we've, we've both recently watched the uh, documentary yeah. uh, uh, about the Abbey as, as well. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to to, to chatting with, with, with Danny. Um, I think what we're probably going to be doing is is talking about because Danny works in the performing arts and which has been as hard hit as hospitality and leisure time, if yeah. not more so at times so, so I think um, we're probably going to be going down the route of a bit of a discussion about the similarities between how hard it's been for certain industries yeah and also she's got a bit of a beer journey to share as well she has she has indeed a very uh, a very young landlady wasn't yes. she so you know but, but we'll save that for Danny to share that side of the story while we drink some beers, as we often do when people are on the show. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll just sit back and in, enjoy whatever it is we're drinking. Um, mate, I have thoroughly enjoyed drinking in the same room as you. Drinking in the same room, first time since March 2020. So I know, that's... Uh, or recording and drinking in the same yes, room. Yes, um, it's been great. Uh Maybe in the past we wouldn't have drunk all these beers individually. <laughs> we would have shared them. But it's it's been a great journey tonight. I mean... I've not disliked any of these beers. I've, I've enjoyed every single one of them. I've enjoyed every single one of them. And I think the orders worked quite nicely, which we, we had them in as well. Um, and like I said, they've all, they've all had something a bit different about them. They've had a bit of character. They've had something from like the East Coast, apart from the third beer, which was firmly planted in. I'm a West Coast beer and I ain't moving. Absolutely, yeah. So thanks one last time to, to Graham sending these um, to us. We are really, really grateful for, for, for that and we've really enjoyed them. And I guess all that's left to say this week, mate. Cheers. R-E-S-B-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Bye.